you still there yeah i'm still here sorry i got quiet there for yeah. a second um, no you're good you're good i just want to make sure it didn't cut out <laughs> no not at all where you want to take me man this is good <laughs> <laughs> hey story feast fam this is the second episode of a two-parter conversation with chris DePont. Um, we get into a little bit more of what we talked about in the first episode so if you haven't listened to that yet i'd recommend going there um the episode gets a little bit choppy the connection uh, with chris is just a little bit um hit or miss at the end but i decided to keep most of it because it was still really good content so please bear with us um, with that said hope you enjoy this second part um so i think rounding out like going back to I, like i don't mind that we have uh gone off on tangents at all um sure sure like yeah. that's like I want this to feel like normal conversations and normal conversations go off on tangents. They sure do. Um, yeah. And so like what this takes me back to is like the whole point of why I want to talk to you was about ethics, culture, and spirituality. Right. Mm. And so we've talked about that a little bit. Um, but my question for you right now is what, what do you, um, what do you personally believe is like your next step to um, like meeting your ethical code um, in a way that like is fulfilling to you? Um, like your belief system, your culture, like the culture that you're part of, like what, what are you actively trying to do? Um, like whether it's through your music um, through engaging with your fans, through um, engaging with friends and family. Um, wow. like what is something that you feel like you're doing or that you want to do even, not even just something that you're doing, something that you want to do um, to kind of bring that to fruition? Wow. Well, oh, that's a question. And it may lead to tangents, but I think that what I am trying to do is I'm really trying to shed the false self right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to have my art and my work and person and my belief system all sort of be in alignment. Yeah. And that's what I'm working towards. Yeah. That's, I mean, and frankly, actually, like, music, as, as self-centered as this, this may feel to me going here, what I do with my music, my original music, feels super important to the core of who I am. And it's taken me years to be able to say that. Um, actually... What do you What's that? Sorry, go ahead. Continue. Oh, no, you go ahead. I want to hear what you're going to ask. I was going to ask what, when you say the core, because this is something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with. And even in your original, like your opening statement, so to speak, uh, like you're talking about your history and like finding your voice, right? Yes. So like, what would you say your core is? Like, is it... um is it some type of type of culmination of the torch that was passed to you that you've like done your own thing with, or is it something else completely different? To an extent. I mean, my, there's lots of ways I could describe my vantage point as a songwriter, but I mean, I really am. And I'm actually, it's funny as I'm actually in, huddles and classes where I'm supposed to be currently defining my my uh core values if you will <laughs> um but i i think that some of the beliefs that i with are the fact that hope is worth holding on to even if feeling i do believe that Sorry, hope is what you're cutting out a little bit. Oh, uh, oh, sorry about that. Hope is worth hope is worth holding on to, even if you are not experiencing a feeling of hope. I think that there still is hope. 
Um, I believe in the idea of everyone being okay. I mean, I think that many people, like one one thing I run into in ministry is people are you to come to know Jesus or I want you to like get rid of this particular sin or I want you to get saved. And I'm kind of like, I want you to be okay. I want mm-hmm. you to be whole. If you do that in a church, great. If you do that in a Buddhist temple or mosque or forest, I don't care. I want you to be well and whole and okay. Um, when you talk to people that, that have experienced trauma, abuse, or have, that carry an addiction or like any sort of affliction, like looking for some kind of salvation journey process. And I think the I don't care what that is if it gets you to be okay in your own skin and body. So yeah, that's one of my core values. I think another one of my values is, is empathy and the empathy is, and that it's, it's, it's an important thing to practice. One reason that I read out a novel fiction is because it helps you practice empathy. It forces yeah. you to feel things that make you uncomfortable like that's one reason i think that fiction can be truer than history sometimes because of the ways that it gets you to it leads you to to feel something and empathize with the uh, possibly change your mind about um so those are a handful of values i mean i would say that record by record there's different values in each one you know my record outlier was really kind of the idea that everything's going to be resurrected and sort of like it was kind of this grappling with religion you know kind of like grappling with depression grappling with questions and about where i sat with my faith community mm-hmm. ways i i couldn't could and couldn't relate to them i was writing it very much as like sort of this outsider christian and then it closed with this song called antiphon which is like kind of an alleluia chorus thing that's from an old Ezekiel text about um, water crashing out of a temple. Hmm. Um, this record, this new one I'm doing is not doing that at all. It isn't about that. It is it's like, it's all about like being present in my body and allowing, allowing myself to be who I am about there's a whole lot of references to like um sternum rib cage teeth like it's a very like body um and there's a lot about in there about like there's a couple songs like um you know losing an important partnership because like i said i went through a divorce and everybody's cool everybody's happy no one's mad but like you know i wrote about that a bit there's songs in there memory and about lineage and about coming to grips with came from and how i don't want to be defined by it um and i feel like one of my big journeys as a person is to value that story as important and worth telling um it can be really hard to just like hey i'm a 34 year old white guy with 3,000 followers on facebook whatever and you should hear what i have to say that's a hard thing to do because there's so many other stories that have to get told that are more yeah. important than mine. But I do think, well, yeah. I mean, like to some extent, I agree. Right. But also like, there's not one story that's any more important than someone else's story. There mm-hmm. are certainly stories that are told more and get more um, uh, attention, I guess. Um, or more uh, uh, more spotlight and and I think that's like where it's important like where diversity is important in media and in um, you know movies and anything that like we see in the public mm-hmm. eye but um, I don't think that I don't think that it's fair to kind of like shame your story I'm, I don't think that you're necessarily doing that but yeah. Um I think it's important to realize that like your story is still worth telling mm-hmm. um regardless of who you are. Um and nobody well unless you're like I guess I was saying earlier a fundamentalist progressive. Um 
like ideally no one is going to say uh your story doesn't matter or like your story isn't worth telling um it's just that uh like in this in this day and age we're trying to find that balance of like we want to hear stories from everyone from every walk of life and not just you know the straight white cisgendered male yeah um which that story is just as important um to be told mm. uh it's it's not uh necessarily the most interesting right now yeah um but that's not because the story is not important it's just because we've heard stories similar to that before mm. um but when people make their story their own um when you make your story your own and you tell it from your heart and you're not just trying to tell like a sanitized version like there is no other story like yours so yeah. like wow. your story is just as important as any other um perspective wow man thank you for saying that i mean it's that's really nice to hear and i think i mean like you were saying about like what are the things i'm doing sort of move forward toward my an ethical code one of them is being in a line and choosing to this story and this vision that i have out um because um somebody i had like what's the i've had people ask this a lot like what's the difference between doing a church service and doing a concert i think you might have asked this I got on the call yeah yeah i actually when you um when you texted me and asked me what kind of topics we'd be discussing that was one of the things that i that i mentioned we could yeah about. i mean it's actually we're talking about feeds into that because I've had people ask me that before. I had Christians ask me, like, okay, like, what do you get out of doing these original shows different? Or why do you feel like you need this other outlet? Because for a lot of people that, there's many people that know me from church that get it. They go to my shows, they get that, like, my truest expression is what I do at my shows. And then what I do on Sunday is something, it's a service, it's something, it's a gift, but it isn't, it isn't like my, my deep within my gut, straight out of my pelvics. Well, sorry, it's not like the, what's coming straight out of my pelvis and my gut, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, right. this is what I'm doing for you, but you and I have to, you know, I have to stay busy and make a living, right? Um, right. But what I always would come back to is there is stuff that I simply cannot say to you that I have to say. There is stuff that no Chris Tomlin song ever have the stomach power to, to go to, you know, like, I, and I'm not trying to like any, maybe let's just say Chris Tomlin. I don't know. But like, um, there's, there's stuff that I say, it takes some stomach and I'm not trying to like overshoot it or oversell it, but like, there's just things that I'm going to say in a song you cannot say in a worship song. And I need the right to say those things because for every sweet person who sends me a Facebook saying, Hey, like, thank you. Church was that really did our hearts. Like I get the most heartbreaking mail from like Chris DuPont listeners, like people that mm -hmm. listen to my, I get heartbreaking shit. Like yeah. this song got me out of an abusive relationship. This song, um, like I had one person. I, I, I won't name this person. Someone recently wrote me a really devastating note, saying that they had that they've been following me for a decade, hmm. and basically said this person like grappled with a huge addiction issue really opened up about it and basically said records are one of the reasons that I still have good positive memories of that era of life. And to me as a songwriter, getting that just stopped me in my tracks. Like it wasn't an ego thing. It was like, whoa, holy crap. 
this is really hard. You still there? Yeah. Just the idea that you know, writing and singing songs basically just about empathy and shared can actually like touch a life like that. Um, I feel like that cuts a little deeper. And so the more I hear stuff like that, the more I feel like, okay, the reason I was put on this planet was to like, not just to like replicate Hillsong or Bethel stuff tidily for a Sunday experience. What I was put here to do was to actually like speak. And I'm starting to believe that's really important. That is like what, I mean, what in Christian culture we do. So I feel, you know, the biggest step in, you know, in my ethical is, is again, refocusing energy into the art and into like making that my primary focus instead of my thing that I shove in between the cracks. And it also means, you know, even though I'm probably going to, you know, serve places that, you know, need me to come do like emotional based music somewhere. Like if a church hits me up or something, sure, I'll do it. But like, I don't think I ever want to hold a church staff position ever again. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a hard line to draw for myself, even if it, even if it means you know, fighting a little harder. Yeah. yeah, fighting fighting a little harder to Oh, to pay the bills. To pay the bills, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought you were gonna say, but I didn't want to assume. I it just cut out in the most unfortunate place. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Um no, that is gonna be part of my ethical code because I don't ever wanna be I don't know, I don't wanna ever be completely professionally tied to just organizationally to a faith community in a way. Because I just found that for me, it's very, some really weird feelings are associated with it. And some, yeah. um, um, I don't know. There, there are some ways in which I just like. I feel like I have to be. I feel like I feel like I'll be a much truer self if I don't have to exist as a cog in that machine. Right. That. That makes sense to me. Um, I I think that. I think that's like sometimes I don't know. It's hard for me to express that that specific sentiment because sometimes being a cog in the machine to someone like at least means that they fit in, right? Like at least means that they belong. Mm -hmm. Um, And like there's a there's a point in my life where like all I wanted to do was just like be a part of a machine, um, not necessarily mm. like in a sense that like soulless, right? But like that like I was a part of a greater whole. Um, sure. And it was it was hard for me as a like um, developing creator, developing artist, um, deconstructing. A believer um to understand what that meant um when like what's the difference between being a machine and being like you know the buzzword like being organic right um mm-hmm. and so I- i'm curious like what for you what's the difference between uh being a cog in the machine um in the sense that you're just um, you know, part of a greater whole, but maybe like feeling like you're part of like this soulless whole. Um, mm-hmm. to to being a um more alive, um, 
part of something greater because um like the the real difference is really just like you know are are you a cog in the machine or are you you know an amoeba in a puddle right yeah Um, like like both both add to something greater um but one has life of its own even if in the grand scheme of things uh you know it's gone in the blink of an eye wow i mean i'm trying to think how without like too deep into i think i can talk about some of this i mean so my my experience with this particular position was interesting because i we did have a pastor that i worked under get removed and it was really sad this the circumstances were really sad like um there there were some uh this person who was my boss and and pastor like just some some wounds became more visible and it turned out some things came to that I had not been aware that kind of broke the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, and so the upon that leadership shift, they the people in higher authority than us had to put someone in to kind of re-steer the ship kind of like grab hold of the mast and kind of correct. Um, And so the I want to say previous regime, I had actually like a lot of freedom to be myself. Um, like, I was actually really kind of encouraged to be myself, be just who I was. And I think I was honestly grappling with some of my own baggage about, like, um, you know, the Christian versus secular dichotomy. Like, I, I've had pe- close friends have laughed at me because, like, I have, like, you know, I, I was come from, like, a Catholic homeschool family, dude. So, like, we were really straight-laced and, like, I wasn't, like, allowed to listen to any quote-unquote secular music Mm. and so like i always felt like i had to like analyze everything i watched and listened to you probably grew up 90s early 2000s where you kind of had to be like purity watching all your music and your movies and books to make sure that you weren't like sinning by consuming it right so there's this whole mental game Mm. we all all had to play to like freaking justify what we're doing um whether that's to parents or to youth leaders or it's like an accountability or like you're you know that asshole you know helicopter friend from bible study that's like always trying to like check in and ask you how much you're masturbating or whatever if you had that friend (laughs) i did um i didn't have that friend but i had similar friends (laughs) yeah those friends suck and so i think i might have been that friend in some cases too i I, i'm sure i probably was as well (laughs) before my conversion (laughs) to (laughs) whatever i am now um to fun Christianity. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I'm sure we, as much as I hate that guy, that guy. And then, but because of that, I'm always like, oh gosh, like someone's going to be up in arms because, like, I said a swear song because it's slightly suggestive or PG 13. My friends are always like, dude, like, you're always so afraid that you're so offensive. You're like the least offensive person on the planet. What's your deal? But despite all that, I always felt just uncomfortable working in ministry. I just felt super uncomfortable with it. And I mean, now I'm older. Like, yeah, well, I don't have everything around me. If someone says, "Oh, that was so anointed," I don't just go like, "I was just singing on keyboard." You know, I, I just I just leave it alone. You know, um, um, but I I just felt genuinely uncomfortable with like being in that room 
and the ways that I was seen by just the assumptions that people automatically make about um, both inside and outside the church. Like people outside church would be like, oh, like nervous that I'd be on, that I, you know, even if it's just like a pack of your friends, like not wanting you to know that they smoke pot when I don't think it's wrong, (laughs) but they still didn't want to tell me, you know, Um, there'd be stuff like that. Um, But then, you know, um, yeah. So during the whole, my whole tenure doing the music ministry job, it just was like, um, you're kind of just like, I was just in a spot that didn't, that I was able to kind of create, make it what I wanted it to be, but I just never fully felt comfortable in. Um, and then um, after the leadership shift, um, you know, it just kind of became clear that the, the new leadership and myself just had different roles, and that's okay. You know, yeah. Like when I resigned, you know, I they were really cool. I was like, they're, I was like, hey guys, I gotta go. I know it's weird timing because you're trying to reopen, and you know what they said? They're like, hey man, we like you're doing as an original artist, and like we know you've like wanted to take off with that. So like, you know, we're happy for you. Yeah. Um, and everyone's really gonna get what they want you know um you know that actually is really interesting it reminds me of a very weird um a, a very weird like uh, origin of this like revelation but there's this girl that i was really interested in and one of the things that she told me that like really helped me like kind of shape and like view like my like future in dating was like why would you want to be with someone who doesn't necessarily want to be with you? Um, and that helped me not only in like dating, but also like in life, right? Like if someone like wants to leave or like, um, like not be my friend or to like not be my significant other or like not want to be a part of something that I'm like trying to build or do like, trying to manipulate them or like shame them or whatever into staying or like feeling bad about leaving that is is me trying to be with someone or do something with someone who is not going to be passionate about doing whatever that thing is Mm. and so like it's really cool that like they had that like healthy view of like if this person doesn't want to be here, then um, like if Chris doesn't want to be here, then that's like good because at least he can like admit it and like we can find someone who is passionate about being here. Um, yeah. And, and that like, and that feels true for like what you've been saying about like what you want to do is like doing something that feels true to like the core of who you are, right? With your music. Yeah, man. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good word. Like, you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how much of a it's fun because like I'm I'm really frustrated. Really like thirty six hours out the moment that I did this. Um, but it was it wasn't like this big like table flipping moment. It was like, Hey, this is what I can do. And everyone got it. And I think I'm just really excited. And like I said, it's not like I'll never do. I don't, I, it's not like I'll never take a church gig. Um, as far as I know, but I am looking forward to like a little, like, kind of sabbatical like really like resting and de- you know deciding yeah. you know resting from you know being so yeah. inundated with church life and just 
inundate with myself with like things that are a priority to and um, someone really important in my life actually said like why wouldn't you just make sure that you are in places where people love and value the beautiful things that you believe when she said that, I just wanted to cry because, like, um, yeah, trying to be the voice of dissent, the alternate perspective in in something like a church or a religious organization or a religious university. I mean, if you actually talk to people that are, like, elderly that are doing that, like, it breaks them. It just breaks mm-hmm. them. Um, something just gets fundamentally broken, defeated, and I don't want to be that. I've seen what happens to people. They're like, "Yeah, I'm just the good guy that just like kept on chugging. That just like kept like trying to do the good things." Or like, "Nah, like it's 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 a death, and it's not one to experience." Um, and again, I'm not saying this is necessarily about. The church itself, this is probably about my relationship to it. (laughs) Hey everyone, Jeej here. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast with your time um, by listening to it. Um, I also want to say thank you to my Patreon supporters for supporting it with their dollars. Um, I know not everybody can, but $3 a month does go a long way. But please, if you are not in a position to, I would never ask that you stretch yourself. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, I wonder, so... Okay, so when we... When we think about the dissenting voice, right... Yeah. Um, we we often think of it, we associate it with the person who's probably going to be shunned, right? Or like looked down on or given the side eye or like at the very least tolerated. Um, or at the very most tolerated, I guess, um, in a certain group, right? And so if both, we both have had experience being the dissenting voice. Um, and... So, uh, but the thing is, is that being the dissenting voice is a good thing. Like every community needs a dissenting voice, right? Like there needs to be someone who challenges the status quo to keep things moving, to think, keep things evolving, growing. Um, like in our own lives, like we, like we need that conflict, even just like the interpersonal, not interpersonal, but uh, like within ourselves we need that conflict because that keeps us struggling um uh to some extent to um think about things in a new way um or like step up and take a risk or to um i don't know like maybe not watch netflix for a day and read a book um like that kind of a dissenting voice is important so like what what do you think it looks like for like a community like this is this feels um this feels really hard to imagine in some ways, but what do you think it looks like for a dissenting voice to be celebrated and not just tolerated? Oh gosh. Um what does it look like for hmm. Based on where I come from, I'm just trying to imagine that being possible. <laughs> um, what does it look like to be celebrated? Um, I mean, I would say. I would say a dissenting voice can be celebrated if that dissenting voice is tapping into something that the people hearing him or 
already kind of convinced of didn't know how to articulate it yet hmm. so in that scenario it feels like the dissenting voice is less of a dissenting voice and more of a like forth telling voice maybe um it's funny you're reminding me of a ted talk i just listened to about like the greatest like the the difference between like all people and like great leaders who actually change the world right and it's all about like for instance apple is wildly successful because they didn't tell you we sell computers they said we are forward thinking we want to challenge the status quo we want to create product like things that absolutely like make your life easier we happen to sell computers and so people aren't just buying iphones they're buying the apple mentality right right because they they don't just want the product they want leaf um yeah. and this gosh i should this guy's name but uh, the the ted talk guy also like use the example of luther king jr like um martin luther king jr could be viewed as a dissenting voice right basically saying hey equal rights for everybody like at a time when like black people were treated as less, less significant he was trying to be a dissenting voice saying this is not the case we're all created equal but yeah but if you look at his speeches you see like how many thousands of people pre-internet flocked to hear him. Right. Um, this TED Talk guy was claiming they didn't come from Dr. King. They came for themselves. They came right. because they shared the dream. They shared the belief and they shared the ethos already. Um, and so anyway, it's a TED Talk. So it's it's a claim. It's got some holes in it. But I would I would say that the the only way I can imagine, especially in a religious community, a dissenting voice being celebrated is if they're tapping into a truth that I mean, you could even look at Christ that way as a dissenting voice, whose whose stuff really just rung true to the human condition and seems like common sense to us now. Um, I'm just trying to imagine, like in my faith community, like the a dissenting voice. What would a dissenting voice say? Like, you won't go to hell if you skip a Sunday. It's okay to be gay, and you can use birth control. Like that dissenting voice would have to. It would take a lot for that person to be celebrated in the tradition. But, um, for anyone to dissent on a hot button issue. Yeah. Um. It would have to, it would really depend on who is there listening to. Um, so, again, I'm having a hard time stepping outside of specifics because I'm imagining, yeah, it's because I actually, yeah. I've, I've done all kinds of studying on like Catholic dissenting voices in the past couple decades and like even the like most beautifully arranged arguments, most gracefully put together dissent projects have been just like shut the fuck down as you know and propaganda is dangerous so what would it take for the community to be able to celebrate a something voice if it's if it doesn't seem like there's any real way for a dissenting voice to be celebrated currently what would it take for the what what would it take for the community to um uh i'm trying to think of a better way to say it like so like let's like shed like let's shed the idea of like oh it's catholic right um right. like it's a catholic church or even like a protestant church or christianity in general mm. um like what what would a community like what values or ethics would a community have to have to be in a place where they could accept and celebrate a dissenting voice, in your opinion? Um, in my opinion, massive empathy and patience. Okay. Yeah, I think a ton of empathy. I think that the dissenting voice, 
in a community is trying to say way of doing things needs to be rethought. And that takes empathy. That takes seeing the perspective of the people that you're threatened by, which would take massive empathy and, and patience just to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, I was thinking, uh, I didn't have a specific, like, direction for, like, the way that question to go or anything. But as, like, I've been listening to you talk about, like, how communities in general react to dissenting voices, um, I was thinking about the whole idea of, like, like in Buddhism, like attachment is like the root of all suffering, right? Um, and I was thinking like, okay, so we have communities that are clearly attached to a way of life or a tradition or the torch being passed um, from generation to generation. Um, like we have that kind of attachment, right, to whatever it is that came before and um, sticking to those roots. Um, and it doesn't have to just be like in the traditionalism context, but it can be just in a uh, like, this is what we know now to be true. And so like, we are going to build off of that thing. And so the dissenting voice is still kind of like the the voice that says like, hey, let's actually burn this to the ground again because we're starting to build things up that, you know, need to be uh, deconstructed continuously because um, it's not... Um, for whatever reason, uh, healthy, or it's actually bringing us farther away from what our original goal was. Mm -hmm. um, and so like attachment, I think of like the Tower of Babel, right? Um, where uh, men, mankind, whatever, are trying to build this giant tower um, where they can like reach God, right? And uh, all the nations speak one language uh, in this parable, in this story, um, or in history, depending upon your point of view. Um, and what happens is God tears it down because he's worried that, according to the story, he's worried that humanity is going to be too smart or too clever um, for their own good, right? And um, one of the, like, it, it was always hard for me to figure out, like, why would God want to, like, ruin creativity and, like, cooperation and, um, like, intel like, intelligence, like, education, like, those kind of things, like, that seemed to be what the Tower of Babel stood for, um, especially in the context of that story, right? Um, mm. And so... Uh, one of the things that I thought about was, uh, were they really building something that was making, like, that was bettering themselves, right? Um, like, was, like, did there need to be a dissenting voice saying that, like, all we're doing is um, building onto these concepts that we think are correct, um, and we're getting better at defending them at explaining them and at evangelizing them. Um, and, and that's what needed to be torn down because the, the base that it was built on was actually like not the most healthy. It could have been right um, to some extent, but it, it was just not a good way to continue to move forward. Um, and so when it comes to a dissenting voice, I wonder if, a way for a community to 
be able to accept and celebrate the sending voice would be to not have an attachment to whatever they've learned or whatever they've started to like grow off of or build off of. Um, mm. But to like constantly be able to say, let's consider that. Like, let's go back to the point. Like, thank you so much um, for bringing that up to the person who um, challenged or protested because um, like we want to be not just moving forward, but moving forward in the best way. Um, because not all progress is good. Um, like if you are going in a direction that is, um, you know, going to spell doom, then doom. I don't know why I said that, but, um, if you're, if you're going in a direction that is not going to be helpful, um, for the community as a whole, or going in a direction that's, um, uh, that is good for the community as a whole, but not good for like individuals in the community, then that is still not good. Right. And so you need those dissenting voices. You need those protesters. Um, you need those prophets uh, to say, um, this is, this is what's wrong here. Um, we need to do something different. Um, and we've almost never seen that prophet or dissenter or protester um, be celebrated. Right. We see people who are like minded, um, like join in that protest or join in that dissent. Um, like you were saying with Martin Luther King Jr. and the people flocking to him. Um, and in, in that regard, he was more of like the leader of a counterculture, right? Um, he was the one who spoke up and um, was helping people verbalize. Like he was um the one that was kind of the fourth teller um and so i think it's i think it's nearly impossible not not impossible i think it's very difficult for a community to operate in a way that they are not attached to any one goal um that they are able to be flexible that they're able to adapt and be fluid um in such a way that when a dissenting voice comes, they can, they are willing to start from scratch again because of a very real problem that the person brought up. Or even if it's just a perceived problem, be willing to slow things way down and um, find a way for everyone to be on the same page. Mm. Um, and that's like, and that's where like the, the lack of attachment comes into play, right? Like that's where the suffering can be eased is when no one is so attached to something that they can't um, slow down, um, that, they, that they are able to stop and make sure everybody is included and belonging and part of um, the forward movement. Wow, dude, that's a good word. Wow. I I hope for that kind of day, man. I hope so too. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, at the same time it's okay, I think, to not be hopeful. Um because sometimes not being hopeful lets you also reset um your expectations and uh instead of just hoping like you can start like doing something um not you specifically but in general sometimes hope can be uh, a double-edged sword yeah it's funny um yeah it's funny you say that because like Again, I'm, I'm I keep kind of coming back to like um, music stuff where like you know my last record the people would ask me like what is the the main agenda behind it I was like it's hope and I think now I'm more towards okay 
And so like, yeah, I do believe in hope, but I think that looking more at like acceptance and facing whether that's my own garbage or the but it's like accepting and trying to be grounded. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's hard. It's a, I mean, it's a balancing um, kind of thing, right? You have to find balance. Yeah. It seems like the decisions that you've made lately have been towards balance um, and towards finding that more whole, uh, more real you. Wow, man. I sure hope so. I mean, eventually you have to. You can't live out of a You just can't. It's not possible to do. I mean, I wish that I, I do. I d- definitely no one wishes to have, like, you know, their life turned inside out. Like, massive, like, you know, community of faith trauma marriages ending health problems like no one wants that shit but yeah um but if you are living out of who you really are eventually it's all gonna be found out it's gonna up it just is that's what's so hard yeah so you're taking the um, step. Yeah. No, go go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. This is good. No, I I want to hear what you have to say because I I have a thought, but it's not fully formed, so I was just gonna verbally process it. Oh, I was gonna say, um, when I made the call to leave my stable ish. When I made the call to like leave like the steady like being a music minister. Granted, nothing is steady or certain because of COVID. Right? Right. Um, any any job, no job is a steady job. Right? It could be way flip of a switch. Um, but um, I had thought about striking out years ago. I'm just like making between. I I do tons of things like audio production, teaching private guitar great and I love doing them life giving um, but I never like felt like I'd built enough of a trampoline to jump off the um, and eventually I just had to look in the mirror and be like it's just time to make a choice it's time to make a binary choice like um, and not just like wait for something to die you know, it's and it's just like actually like make a binary choice today. And yeah. I've come to believe that it's much better to live your life making difficult choices and dealing with what people are gonna think than um oh. uh, simply allowing your life to happen to you. Could you repeat that last part? It cut out a little bit. I just, I just said that was the thought. Yeah. So, I do feel like we've had really good conversation, um, and we could continue probably for for hours. But um, yeah, I do feel like I feel like some of this is like personally, I just like need to ruminate on it. Um, yeah. And uh like it, like it feels like we've come to a place where um I don't know, it almost feels like a natural like segue to like an end. Um, yeah. So I guess I have one I have one more question uh that I kind of that I think that I want to kind of ends on for like maybe like a repeating thing who knows maybe i'll keep it maybe i won't but just like one kind of like final question to pick your brain um if you're up for it yeah totally 
What about your ethical code feels the most important to share with others? Most important to share with others. Um, I mean, I think the most important aspects of my ethical code I want to share. I, I keep overusing the word, but I, I do think empathy is a big part of my ethical like the choice to love and embrace and, and hold space for the person in front of you even if free immediately. I think empathy is a big one and I think the practice of being present mm. for sure. I think the practice of being present here and now, which is the incredible part for me to do. Yeah. The person in relationships being here right now. But I think that's a part of what I really, I, I think is absolutely crucial for me to embrace and to try to share. Yeah. You can't be, you can't empathize, you can't love them. You definitely can't keep a treasure or relationship together with presence without just like truly seeing and listening and hearing and occupying next to and I think it's one of the big hangups religion too the idea of being I, sorry could you could you repeat yes that's it's cutting out a little bit more than normal oh sorry about that um uh I would say one of the biggest or grievances I have with many many religious people is such a heavy focus eternal and punishment that there is a lack of care for what's happening right now and mm -hmm. the the possibilities for right now ways to to love and be whole and be satisfied right now yeah um how do you feel how do you feel like you can share that through your music and the culture that um, it creates? I think that music itself is an invitation to be present, especially live music and especially, especially the kind of stuff doing because it, it is music that asks patience. It is dense and layered and, often very soft, often gentler and quieter, more dynamic, and, and it's music that does require patience from the listener. There's attention. It asks you to, to slow down and breathe. Yeah. Um, and I think stylistically, it is going to be an invitation to be present. And then I think lyrically and melodically, those are the areas where I try to invite empathy because the words I'm writing are very much either my story or like portions of stories that I think are and the melodies are composed in a way where it's it's supposed to try to like dig at you get it get it to sink in and invite you to feel what I'm feeling hmm. so honestly the ways that I craft it are really going to show that I value empathy, but especially just like a slowing down and and being here and sitting with this thing, sitting with your own feelings. It's tough work. Yeah. That's a good word. <laughs> Thanks, man. This has been so uh, much fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I'm glad that we got to do it. Um, I'm glad we both got to have a little booze in our system to do it too. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Thank you for opening up and asking questions. I uh, do look forward to getting to connect as I can. Again. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure, man. Um. Yeah, uh, I guess that's it. <laughs>
And that's a wrap on the first Story Feast conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and wrestling with these topics with us. Um, if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, if you have any comments or concerns, um, feel free to email me at heygeej at gmail.com. I love to hear the feedback. I am so grateful that y'all would even listen. Um, the next conversation that I'm having is with Kara Huckabone Sato of Vertex Coffee Roasters. Um, we talk a little bit about the ethics of sustainability and zero waste um, and how that impacts her business. Um, I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. It's a great one. It will be available in two weeks.